Hello everybody and welcome back to the Dark Histories podcast. Hope everybody is well. Thank you for the initial support on the first episode and thank you to those people who followed or subscribed. Obviously being new to all this, I would love you guys to give me some feedback on things and I could maybe do better. This would all be greatly appreciated as I can improve your listening pleasure. Episode 2, if you haven't guessed already from the title, is about the brutal dictator Pol Pot. In this episode we'll go through the life of Pot and talk about his murderous regime. Just a quick caveat to this, I will try my utmost not to murder some pronunciations, but I can't promise anything. So sit back, relax, for more Dark History. Born Salafsara on May 19, 1925, in Kompong province, in the Southeast Asian country of Cambodia, Pol Pot was the son of a prosperous landowner. He lived in the village of Prek Savav, which was located a hundred miles from the country's capital, until in 1934, at the age of five and six, he was sent to live with his older brother in the busy metropolis of Phnom Penh. Here, the young Pot would be educated in some of Cambodia's finest schools. Pol Pot was a mediocre student who struggled to learn the French curriculum. At the time, Cambodia was grouped with a number of countries and regions in Southeast Asia, making up French Indochina, but I digress. He failed the entrance examination for high school and so instead studied carpentry for a year at a technical school in Phnom Penh. In 1949, Paul Pot won a scholarship to study in the romantic French capital, Paris. Paul Pot and 21 other students boarded the SSM Kui in Saigon, modern-day Ho Chi Minh City in Vietnam and started their voyage to Marseille, stopping to take in the sights of Colombo, Singapore and Djibouti on the way. In the summer of 1950, after Burley completing his first year at school, Paul Pot and 18 other Cambodian students visited Yugoslavia, which at the time was a Marxist-Leninist state ruled by Joseph Broz Tito. Pot struggled to integrate in the French society. He struggled with the French language, which meant he didn't make many friends. Nevertheless, his most significant friendships in the country were Lengsari, Thion Mum and Keng Van Sack, who became a mentor to Paul and went on to become a philosopher. In Paris, Lengsari, Mum and Van Sack set up the Circle Marxiste, a clandestine cell for the communist teachings of Marx and Lenin. Paul Pot joined a cell where he would print and distribute the Circle Marxist paper until 1951. He, and with Leng Sari, joined the French Communist Party. Pol Pot found many of Karl Marx's denser texts difficult, later saying he didn't really understand them. But he became familiar with the writings of the Soviet leader, Joseph Stalin. At the time in Cambodia, growing internal strife resulted in King Chinook dismissing the government and declaring himself Prime Minister. 
In response, Pol Pot wrote an article called The Manic and the Democracy, published in the student magazine Khmer Nisuntun, under the pseudonym Khmer Damau, or the original Khmer. Because of the king's decision, the circle decided to send a single person to Cambodia to assist the situation and determine which rebel group they should support. Pot volunteered for his role. His decision to leave may also have been because he had failed his second year exams two years in a row, thus losing his scholarship. In December, he boarded the SSM Kui and returned to Cambodia without a degree. Paul Pat arrived back in Cambodia in 1953. He found the country ruled by decree. He moved to Phnom Penh, where he met with fellow circle member Ping Se to discuss the developing situation. At this meeting, they identified the Khmer Viet Minh to be the most promising group for the circle Marxists to support. The Khmer Viet Minh were a Vietnamese Cambodian guerrilla subgroup of the northern Vietnam-based Viet Minh, who were fighting against the French in the First Indochina War, which was raging in Vietnam, Cambodia and Laos. In August of 1953, Pot and Raf Samoon travelled to Krabao, the headquarters of the Viet Minh's eastern zone. Over the following nine months, around 12 other circle members joined them there. At Krabao, Pol Pot gained a rudimentary grasp of Vietnamese and rose to become the secretary aide to Tao Samuth, the secretary of the Khmer Viet Minh's eastern zone. By November of 1953, the king had declared Cambodia's independence from France. The French had relented, choosing to give Cambodia its independence instead of entering into another costly war halfway around the world. With the French backing the king intensifying the civil conflict against the rebels. Following the Geneva Convention held at the end of the First Indochina War, the king secured an agreement from North Vietnam that they would withdraw Khmer Viet Minh forces from Cambodian territory. The last Khmer Viet Minh unit left Cambodia for North Vietnam in October 1954. Pol Pot was not among them. Deciding to remain in Cambodia, he trekked via South Vietnam to Prey Veng and to reach Phnom Penh. He and other Cambodian Marxist-Leninists decided to pursue their aims through the electoral means. By March 1955, King Sanuk feared the possibility of a democratic party leading Cambodia, so he abdicated his throne and passed it to his father, Norodom Suramarit. This action would give him the freedom to create his own political party, the Sekum Rastraniyum. In September 1955, the voting saw widespread intimidation to voters and electoral fraud, culminating in a landslide victory for the Sankum party, winning all 91 seats in parliament, making Cambodia a de facto one-party system and dashing the hopes for the left to rule Cambodia electorally. At this time, Pol Pot rented a house in the Bnong Kong Keng area 
Phnom Penh, where he found employment as a teacher. Although not qualified to teach, he taught history, geography, French literature and morals at a private school. He had also entered into a relationship with fellow revolutionary Kiu Poneri, the sister of his good friend Leng Sari, and they were married in a Buddhist ceremony in July of 1956. The king cracked down on Marxist-Leninist movements, but this did not stop Pot as he continued the underground communications and all correspondence for the Democratic Party. But he and other members increasingly regarded Cambodians as too different to their Vietnamese counterparts. To deal with this, Pol Pot, Tu Samuth and Nu Che drafted a programme for a new Marxist-Leninist party that would be allied with but not subordinate to the Vietnamese. They established party cells emphasis emphasising the recruitment of small numbers of dedicated members and organising political seminars in safe houses. In 1959, at a conference, the Kampuchean Labour Party was established, with Pol Pot being third in command, behind Yusamuth and Nyon Cheng. In January 1962, the King's security services cracked down further on Cambodia's socialists, incarcerating leaders of the Labour Party. In July of 1959, Samuth was arrested, tortured and killed, with Naum Cheng also stepping back from political activities, leaving it open for Pol Pot's path to become the party leader. With the King's continuing his crackdowns and his rewriting of the constitution to allow him to be head of state for life, Pol Pot and the rest of the Labour Party began to plot a rebellion from their jungle base. In January 1968, the war began with an attack on the Bay of Daraman's army base in South Bantambang. Further attacks targeted police and soldiers with rebels seizing weaponry on the way. The government responded with a scorched earth tactic, aerial bombarding active rebel positions. Such was the brutality from the government causing a further 100,000 villagers to rise up and flock to Pol Pot's cars. Strangely enough, though, in March 1970, the king wasn't, was overthrown, not by Pol Pot, but a right-wing politician named Long Nol. In Beijing, where Pot was at the time, the Chinese and Vietnamese organised a meeting between Pot and the king, where they formed an unlikely alliance to depose Lol Non and the right-wing government. This would cause the Khmer Rouge to explode in size, with peasants loyal to the former king. In April of 1970, Pol Pot travelled to Hanoi to speak to the leader of Vietnam. Not for troops, but for weapons. Nevertheless, the North Vietnamese and the Viet Cong invaded Cambodia to overthrow Lon Nol. In turn, this caused the South Vietnamese and the US to commit troops, pulling Cambodia into the Second Indochina War. The US dropped three times as many bombs on Cambodia during the conflict as they had on Japan during World War II. Although targeting Viet Cong and Khmer Rouge encampments, the bombarding 
primarily affected civilians. This helped fuel recruitment to Khmer Rouge, which had an estimated 12,000 regular soldiers at the end of 1970, and four times that number in 1972. Pol Pot moved around Vietnam and Cambodia, and by the end, over half of the country was under Khmer control. In summer of 1973, the Khmer Rouge launched its first major assault on Phnom Penh, but was forced back amidst heavy losses. Later that year, it began bombarding the city with artillery. By 1974, Lon Nol's government had lost a great deal of support both domestically and internationally. In 1975, the troops defending Phnom Penh began discussing surrender, eventually doing so and allowing the Khmer Rouge to enter the city on the 17th of April. There, the Khmer Rouge soldiers executed between 700 and 800 senior government, military and police figures. Other senior figures escaped. Lon Nol fled into exile in the US. He left Sukaham Kahoy as acting president, although he too fled abroad as a departing US Navy ship just 12 days later. Within the city, Khmer militia under the control of different zone commanders clashed with one another, partly as a result of a turf war and partly due to the difficulty of establishing who was the group's member and who was not. The Khmer Rouge had long viewed Phnom Penh's population with mistrust, particularly as the city's numbers had swelled by peasant refugees who had fled the Khmer Rouge's advance and were considered to be traitors. Shortly after taking the city, the Khmer Rouge announced that its inhabitants would have to evacuate to escape a forthcoming US bombing raid. The group falsely claimed that the population would be allowed to return after three days. This evacuation entailed moving over 2.5 million people out of the city with very little preparation. Between 15,000 and 20,000 of these were removed from the city's hospitals and forced to march. Checkpoints were erected along the road out of the city where Khmer Rouge cadets searched marchers and removed many of their belongings. The march took place in the hottest months of the year and an estimated 20,000 people died along the route. For the Khmer Rouge, emptying Phnom Penh was considered as demolishing not just capitalism in Cambodia, but also King Sanuk's power base and spy network for the US Central Intelligence Agency. By 1975, Pol Pot had arrived in the abandoned city of Phnom Penh, where he set about converting the country into a majority agricultural society. Their goal was to reach 70-80% to farming mechanisation in 5-10 to 10 years and a modern industrial base in 15-20 to 20 years. As part of this project, Pol Pot saw it as an imperative that they develop means of ensuring that the farming population would work harder than before. At the, at the Central Committee Plenum held in Phnom Penh in September, they agreed that the currency would lead to corruption and undermine their efforts to establish a socialist society. 
The population were expected to do whatever the Khmer Rouge commanded of them without pay. If they refused, they faced punishment, sometimes execution. Pol Pot effectively changed Cambodia into a slave state. In September of 1975, Pot announced that all farmers were expected to meet a quota of three tons of paddy, or unmilled rice, per hectare, and increase on what was previously the average yield. There, he also announced that manufacturing should focus on producing of basic agricultural machinery and light industrial goods such as bicycles. Then came the rural reforms. The Cambodian citizens were divided into three groups, the full right members, the candidates and the depositees. The full right members were usually low to middle class peasants who were entitled to full rations and hold positions in the army or the communist party. Candidates could still hold low level administrative positions. The application of this triple party system was uneven and it was introduced to different areas at different times. On the ground, the basic social divisions remained between the base people and the new people. It was never Pol Pot and the party's intention to exterminate all new people, although the latter were usually treated harshly and at this led to commentators to believe extermination was the government's desire. Within the villages, cooperatives and Khmer militia regularly killed those who deemed to be bad elements. A common statement used by the Khmer to those they executed was that to keep you is no profit, to destroy you is no loss. Those killed were often buried at the side of fields to act as fertiliser. During the first years of the Khmer Rouge rule, most areas of the country were able to stave off starvation despite significant population increases caused by the evacuation of the cities. There were exceptions such as part of the northwest zone and the western areas of Kompong Chang where starvation did occur in 1975. The judicial process of the Khmer Rouge regime for minor or political crimes began with the warning from the Ankar, the government of Cambodia under the regime. People received more than two warnings were sent for re-education, which meant near certain death. People were often encouraged to confess to the Ankar their pre-revolutionary lifestyles and crimes, which usually included some kind of free market activity are having contact with foreign sources. They were told that the Ankar would forgive them and wipe the slave clean. They were then taken away to places such as Tuol Sleng or Tiung Ek for torture and or execution. The executed were buried in mass graves. In order to save ammunition, the executions were often carried out using poison, spades or sharpened bamboo sticks. Inside the Buddhist memorial stupa at Chongek, there is evidence of bayonets, knives, wooden clubs, holes for farming, and curved scythes being used to kill victims, with images of skulls damaged by these implements as evidence. In some cases, the children and infants of adult victims were killed by having their heads bashed against the trunk of a Chang-Kree tree, and then were thrown into the pits alongside their parents. 
The rationale was to stop them growing up and taking revenge for their parents' death. Some victims were required to dig their own graves. Their weaknesses often meant that they were unable to dig very deep. The soldiers who carried out these executions were mostly young men and women from peasant families. It's estimated that 1.6 million to 1.8 million Cambodians died as a result of the Khmer Rouge policies, or between 21 to 24% of Cambodia's 1975 population. Throughout the 80s, the Khmer Rouge received arms from China and political support from the United States, which opposed a decades-long Vietnamese occupation. But the Khmer Rouge influence began to decrease following the 1991 ceasefire agreement, and the movement completely collapsed by the end of the decade. In 1997, a Khmer Rouge splinter group captured Pol Pot and placed him under house arrest. He died in his sleep on April 15, 1998, at the age of 72, due to heart failure. A United Nations-backed tribunal has convicted only a handful of Khmer Rouge leaders for their crimes against humanity. Pol Pot was an utterly evil person, and I would say everything that's wrong with communism. On paper it works, an equal utopia, but we as humans can't live that way. As we get into other episodes on dictators, there is a trend with the communist ones. You find the people suffer, ultimately, by starvation or just outright murder. Well, thank you for listening to this episode. I hope to see you again for the next and more Dark History. <laughs>